Yeah, I might I might shit my pants halfway through, but yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Not the worst thing you've done. I know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the W2B Ghost Podcast, where we talk about passive investing, real estate, and all the money moves you can make while working at W2 so you can establish your financial freedom. Here to talk about the W2 journeys, your hosts and amigos, Nick Coulter and Xavier Marin. Nick, what is going on, sleepy boy? How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, X is calling me sleepy boy because I got off at nights last night and uh, we're doing the podcast early because I have a full day ahead of me of uh, W-2, uh, non-W-2 work-related things, maybe a little bit of gymnasium, you know what I mean? And uh, so I decided to do early, got some coffee. Yeah, man, we're just we're just vibing. Uh, new new updates for me. Closed the house for my brother in law, so he has got his condo officially in Sorry. San Diego in UTC. Yeah, we're super excited for him, man. Him and his wife are going to be in a good spot, very walkable. Uh, super excited for him. So I, I hooked him up with some of the stuff that I could do as a realtor. So this one wasn't like a money play for me, but it got a decent little check out of it. So I'm actually going to be uh, buying a washer dryer uh, with that money for our studio apartment and uh, making sure that Evelyn doesn't have to go to the laundromat anymore. So that's a uh, that's big updates for me, man. What's going on with she, you? I didn't know she's been going to the laundromat to do that. Yeah. Every weekend we go to the laundromat in San Diego. It takes about three hours. And uh I will, uh, we're spending some money. We got to like figure out a sub pump and a plumber and stuff like that because of the, the location of where the laundromat or launder, laundry, laundry machine would go. Man, I sound like an idiot. Um, so yeah, we're going to figure that out so we could save us both some time and get some time. Back. Yeah. Well, and, and those returns will be nice because once you move out of that studio, like you don't have to worry about it. Like it's good. It's going to need to be done at some point. Might as well do it now where you guys can reap the benefits of it as well. Exactly. Good stuff, man. Um, dude. Yeah. Tim, I'm about to, with you, just W2. I'm actually not traveling now for a couple of weeks, which is great. So I actually get you back into a routine. This has been going well, just kind of working on a couple of projects here and there. For a while, I was I realized that I hadn't talked to my CPA. And I was like, hey, it's August 2023. I don't think I've submitted my taxes yet for 2022. So I hit him up. And yeah, it looks like he was waiting for me to say, like, say something about cost segregation. I never got back to him. So all that to say is finally going through to submit my tax returns and I'm getting a return back from the state and and federal returns, woo, which is woo. great. So again, power of real estate, power of material participation. Super pumped about that because I we are moving next month to a bigger place that's going to cost less, but I got to pay double rent. So just in time to be able to pay for that. <laughs> nice. So what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so we're we're actually going to talk to you guys about what we would do if we were restarting from day one uh, with our investing. So, you know, flashback for three and a half years ago for me, about what, four and a half years ago for you, like what would be the first steps that we would do um, if we didn't have any properties, if we were trying to get started in real estate investing. And I think this is a really good time to have this discussion because affordability in housing is at an all-time Worst point, uh, the housing market's still uh, really, really frothy, I'll say, and uh, interest rates are super, super high. But we want to talk about how you can start by hitting just a base hit, and this is how you can get started now when interest rates are really high and set yourself up for when affordability gets into a better spot and you can build the business that you always wanted to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be a little bit different from what you guys see on your content on like Instagram or TikTok. And when I say by that, it's not going to be what would I do differently. 
I'm going to start a business. I was like, okay, let's be a little bit more specific on that, right? I'm going to build a business. I'm going to call 10,000 people and I'm going to have my company grow within a year for 1 million revenues. Like, okay, that's, you gave me nothing. <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't help. Yep. So really the first point that we would do, like if we were starting over again, is we would analyze why are we here? Like, why are we starting this journey now? What happened to lead us to want to start investing for me at 30 for you, right at 31? Like, what are we doing to try to improve the financial position that we're in? Um, so for me, it would start with like analyzing, okay, am I in a massive amount of debt? Have I been doing a good job preparing myself for this potential journey? Uh, and if not, what steps do I need to take to get there? So that would be where I would first start. I would look at all of my current debts. I would look to say, okay, am I in an apartment? How much money am I spending there? Um, am I currently right now paying off student loans or a car note or credit card debt? And I would just really try to get a holistic view of my financial position. So I would pull together all of your assets, I would, which if you're not investing, you probably don't have a ton, let's be honest. I would pull together all of my debt. Uh, what percentage of debt am I paying on that? If it's student loans at 5%, if it's a car note at 4% or 8%, uh, what does that monthly draw look like on my accounts going out? And I would need to make sure I understand what are my next 10 years of goals for investing. And the reason we set like a pretty long timeline is you don't want to take something as uh, real estate investing as a quick, rich, get, get, rich quick scheme because that's not really what it is right this is a plan for you for the future this is a plan for you to execute over time and you want to make sure that you go into it with that thought process so you're not making bad decisions trying to hit home run deals uh, when you're really going to get first get started out because it's more about the experience it's more about learning and it's more about setting your financial base for the future. And that's where I would start is I'd start with that analyzing my current financial p uh, picture and position. Absolutely. And Nick, I think that's really important. I think when I think about analyzing too, for me, I'm going to reflect on what the hell happened, right? If I'm having to start over, like what went wrong, mm -hmm. right? Did, did I over leverage myself? Did I try to do too much at once? Did I not set myself up correctly from like a reserves perspective? Like what was it that put me in this place to begin with and learn from that so I make sure I don't make that same mistake again. Along with that too, understand like what did I enjoy doing from during that time, right? And I want to keep repeating that. And lastly, it's, and this would be hard for me, it's getting over yourself. Get over the fact that you just failed and you had to start over. Yes, it sucks. But at the end of the day, I think taking all the knowledge that you've built over the last couple of years is starting over, I think puts you even a much better position to truly build out that foundation to build something a lot, a lot, lot sturdier. Yeah. And too, even if like you didn't, you know, like screw up in a major way and you had to restart, let's just say you are, you're just like, man, I, I wasted a lot of time. Like, cause you know, if you're starting now, there's a period you could look back to to say, I could have done better and I could have been investing and I could have set myself up in a different position. Those thoughts may be good for your future to like analyze what you did and, and look forward, but don't look at years past and, and like you lost. You know what I mean? I struggle with this a ton because I started my real estate journey at 27. I'm like, dude, if I could have started this thing at like 23 when I got out of college after a year and a half, I had money to be able to do this. I'd be in such a different position. It's not healthy. It's not going to help. So don't do that. Try to just say, okay, this is what went wrong. Or this is why I'm in this position. Now let me take that lessons learned. Let me apply it for the future. So that would be the big first thing. I would say the second thing everyone needs to do, especially if they're looking to get into real estate investing or investing at all, and they're working a W-2 job, you guys have to 
really analyze and build a budget around your current financial position. And I would do that by painstakingly pulling the last six months of expenses. I would have all my months separated on a piece of paper and I would write down all my expenses and I would categorize them as essential and non-essential. And the essential things are things that you need to spend money on to survive. And the non-essential things would be everything else, right? Like going out to eat, going to have drinks with friends, uh, going to the movies. And then I would also document on the non-essential things, what brings you joy and what doesn't bring you joy. I know I've said this on the podcast a couple of times, but uh, when I was paying off my debt and saving up for the down payment on our first house, I went like zero dark 30 on the world. I went psycho. I went crazy. I didn't spend any money on anything fun. It was safe, 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 like psycho behavior. And that's just not the best place to be long term. You need to build your budget back in to have those things that bring you joy. For me, that's like the gym. Uh, for me, that's like going to the zoo with Evelyn. Uh, for me, that's like spending a little bit of money on coffee, right? Every once in a while, those things are all fine as long as you budget appropriately for them and save. So just make sure you document all of those things. And when, when I say six months, like, I mean, you pull up your credit card statement, you pull up your bank account statement and you write every single expense down. It's gonna take a while, it's gonna be painful, uh, but you'll learn a lot about your spending habits in that time, especially when you're writing it down. For some reason, when you write it down for me, it just like resonates in my brain and it really makes me understand like this is something I need to solve for and a problem I need to fix. Absolutely, and to add on to that, Nick, I one of the things that I'd be doing as well on top of analyzing what I'm spending money on, I would seriously consider, am I spending too much in the location that I'm living in right now? Right? How much am I paying in rent? Is that expensive? Is not expensive? Can I afford? Can I go ahead and just move someplace cheaper? Right? Is that? Can I save a couple more hundred dollars a month? Like I would be taking a look at things that are pretty much fixed and be like, all right, do they really need to be fixed? Do I really need to be living in this very nice apartment right now, or can I go ahead and suck it up, go into like a one bedroom and like save nine hundred, almost even a thousand dollars a month, depending on your situation? And it's like nine times out of ten, yeah, you can do that. So. Another thing too is feeling comfortable with like saying no to things. Um, mm -hmm. To your point, right? You said like kind of went out there and you were just saving, 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 saying no to a lot of things. Feeling comfortable with saying, "Hey guys, sorry, I can't, I can't hang out because like I can't go to the brewery or I can't do this trip. I'm down to go hang out with you guys, spend time like in a place where I don't have to spend money." But feeling comfortable like having those kind of conversations too, uh, because one night out, two nights out a week with friends, brewery, drinking. We talked about this before, Nick. Like as soon as you have up to that second beer, you're easily tossing maybe up to a hundred bucks for one night just going out. And yep. over time, that can definitely cause some financial constraint. Absolutely. And the reason we want people to start with the budget is because if you start with a budget and you know where you want to go after you analyze your financial position and you know what your like 10 year goal or vision is, it's a lot easier for you to stick to that budget because you have a reason why, right? You have your why built in of, hey, I want to be in a better financial position for kids or I want to be in a better financial position so I don't have to work like this for the rest of my life. That will be more powerful than some of these, you know, reasons that you're spending money unnecessarily. So I think that's a super huge point and people should look into it. Now, it's not going to be easy and you can build a budget, but if you don't follow your budget, it's, you know, not pointless, but why would you do it if you're not going to follow it? So that's a huge piece as well people need to understand is you got to make sure you're building yourself a financial position to to set yourself up so you can be successful and you have to follow it. And that's a huge piece of it is reduce your spending. So I would look at your current living situation uh, as an opportunity to reduce, I'd look at your non-essential uh, non spending as a way to reduce uh, your uh, money going out every single month. 
if you have a nice car and maybe you can sell it and and have something that you don't have a car payment on and it's a little bit of a crappier car like trust me guys it's worth it like i'm driving a 2017 honda civic that's been paid off since 2020 uh, when i did my debt payoff and you know it's it's been saving me hundreds of dollars a month in insurance and it car loan payments and all that kind of stuff like you're saving a lot more money than you think just by trying to drop those fixed expenses in that budget. And I think it's really important you do that because as you start to make more money in our next step, you're going to just spend it if you don't have the correct financial habits in place. Tracking it's going to be important, like you mentioned, because you're going to be able to see month over month the improvements. Once you start seeing the improvements, then that motivates you to keep going. And it almost makes it somewhat fun. If you're not tracking it, you're going to feel like you're you're kind of doing it for nothing because you're not visually seeing the differences there. So yeah, it's definitely important to to ensure that you're tracking that information. Absolutely. All right. So the second thing I would look at, especially if you're a W-2 employee, is how do you make more money? Um, there's a couple ways you could do this. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of the side hustle that makes sense, right? That's aligning with your industry or aligning with your passions and you can make a little bit of money off of that. Uh, it could be as simple as signing up for an Uber account or an Uber Eats account or a Instacart account and doing shopping for people and making 20, 25 bucks an hour during peak times and 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 earning income that way. Uh, it could be as you know more complicated and you could look to jump jobs. And that's a topic that we've discussed before. Uh, but you know, Data would show that if you jump jobs, you typically receive a significant higher pay bump than if you're currently staying at the role you're in. Uh, X and I haven't done that ever. Basically, we got out of school, we got into our roles, and we've stayed in the the career paths that we've had. But we've moved in through a lot of roles within that time within tar- uh, within the company we work for. So you really got to make sure you're setting yourself up in that space. So I would actually look into that. I would look into saying, okay, if I'm a data scientist. And I'm making good money, but not great money. Is there a change of career in terms of the company I work for that could jump my income by 20 or 25%? I think often you would find that there's quite a bit of opportunity out there. And you need to be using your W-2 as a tool and an asset for you just as they use you as a tool and asset for their business. And I know that's going to be tough. And I know a lot of people get really comfortable and complacent. um, But if you're really trying to change your financial position over 10 years, everything needs to be on the table, including looking potentially outside of your current job for something that might pay a little bit more. Yeah. And adding on to the side hustle piece, it can be also things that you can enjoy. So mm-hmm. yes, you can Uber if you want. You can do Uber Eats. If you don't enjoy those things, I understand. But do you have a dog? Do you work from home? How about Rover? Like how about a like how about daycare? Like watching a dog or two or like people's dogs. Why not? You're already walking your dog. You're already taking care of your dog. Is it much make much of a difference if you have one more or two more pets in in your building? Probably not. So that's also a great way where it's like you can get a pretty good amount of money for it without changing up your routine a whole lot. So I you know, I, I've talked to my girlfriend about this before in the past. She's like, what are your thoughts about either fostering or doing things like doing Rover? I'm like, well, um, I mean, fostering, yes, you're doing it for the good of your heart. You're not getting paid for it. But in terms of like the Rover piece of it, it's like, yeah, that that would be something we could consider because we're already doing all these things with our dogs. Why, why not add additional income uh, doing that route? So if you guys are going to go look for a new job, you know, what what I do in this current situation, I would really make sure my LinkedIn profile was updated. I would use a little uh, chat GBT to get some creative ideas on how to make it sound fancier because I'm a better wordsmith in person than I am when I'm typing it out. So I would use some of the resources available to you guys. I'd really make sure that that was uh, blown up. 
Uh, if you go on to LinkedIn, you can select that you're open to work, but only to recruiters. And then I would start to pay attention when people hit you up in your inbox. And I'd start to look at the open positions you can qualify for uh, within the app. You can set up searches and stuff like that. I would set those. I would set a pay threshold. And then if you're going to talk to companies, like ask for the stars, you know what I mean? Like ask for the amount of money you need. If you're making a hundred grand now and you want to make 120, ask for 120. If you're making 78, you want to ask for a hundred, ask for a hundred. I think sometimes when companies are in a bad position, they're willing to buy talent. And if you're talented and you do a good job, like you should be compensated fairly. So be comfortable having that conversation with yourself and setting yourself up uh, for success in that space. It's really important. We went in this direction though. We went budget first and then we went increase income second because what you don't want to do is you don't want to make more money and then just start freaking spending more money because then you're not going to be saving anything to invest and you're going to be in the same position you were making 20% more and you're spending 19% more. Uh, that's not going to help you be successful. That's just going to put you in the same exact position you are now, uh, but probably add more stress because you're like, damn, I am making more money, but I'm spending more money. So what the, was the point? There wasn't any if you're spending it frivolously without making sure you're diligent with your savings. Yep. Great point. So the next thing, this is where X and I kind of like deviate. These are the two different strategies we would do uh, moving to the areas that we're in uh, because we live in two very different markets. I live in Southern California slash Inland Empire, San Diego. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to do his example, but in his market, it works really well. So for me, I would save up 5% down to go get a single family house hack and I would rent out the bedroom. So what would that look like for me? I would be looking at a house that's going to cost around six to $700,000. So I would need to save up that 5% down, uh, which would allow me to buy a home uh, within this area. At most, that would be about $35,000. So I would set a goal with my budget of like, all right, let's say I'm going to save $1,000 or $1,500 a month and I need to get to 5%. It's going to take me X amount of months. Uh, let's say it's like a full year. I would be super diligent and I would save aggressively every single month to set myself up to be able to get that house hack. Because one of the things I would do right now if I was restarting is I would look to bring my living expenses down to as close to zero as possible. Uh, that way I can continue to scale my income and save drastically. And you guys would be amazed at what a thousand or four thousand dollars a month can do in terms of limiting your spending money, that will change your financial position in less than a year. And that's a huge piece that I would do. So if I were Nick right now, I would budget, I would maybe move jobs or figure out how to make more money. And then I would take that savings and then put it into a 5% down house hack. That's really easy to get. And yeah, I might still be paying a thousand or 1500 bucks out of pocket a month right now, but I'm actually owning a home and renting it out to people for long-term investment uh, versus right now, just like throwing it away and rent every single month. Yeah, Nick. So in my market here, similar strategy, at least from the house hacking perspective, I would look at getting a quadplex in the neighborhood that I'm in. Uh, reason why is I, I would want to be a little bit more picky with the kind of property that I'm choosing. I think sometimes people make the mistake of just buying up whatever comes their way and does it end up being a great investment for them. Uh, for me, doing four units off the bat, that means that I would be house hacking one unit or house hacking all three living in one. So I have three different ways of making money from that one property. So from a vacancy perspective or other expenses, like it would help offset some of those, right? If someone moves out, I still have income coming in. It's not just based off of the one house that I'm renting. Um, so I would go that route. I would have to save anywhere between, I say 21. So the average cost around here is maybe, maybe 600,000 for a quadplex. So I would save anywhere between $21,000 to $30,000 to put down for it. Mm -hmm. The next thing that I would do is I'm not a CPA, so I would consult a CPA on this. I would start an LLC and run that income that I'm getting from that property through the LLC to start showing that an LLC 
has income has revenue coming in so that as I continue to grow little by little, I'm able to show the money that I'm bringing in with that property. So that way I have an established LLC. So two to three years from now, when I want to actually buy property with my LLC, I have a history in place there to do so. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we're both kind of talking about the same thing, just in different strategies with different states and different markets, uh, because what we're both doing is very similar. It's just a different strategy to get there. We're trying to drop our living expenses as much as possible. We're trying to set up the financial position with these properties to then have success in the future. That's going to be a huge piece that we can really capitalize five, six, seven years down the road. And the important thing for people to hear right now from both of us is we would buy smart, right? We would buy with the long-term plan in place with multiple exit strategies so we could be successful. Whether that be after five or six years, you sell that house. Whether that be after uh, a year, you move out and move into another rental and you now have an income producing property that's available to you. Even if that property starts out by making a couple hundred dollars a month, over time, that will continue to scale until it's a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand you're making on that property a month with rent increases. And you would be amazed at how many people have these killer and amazing properties you wish you could buy. They just bought it 10 years ago and held on to it and then had their financial position improve with it within the future. You know, just kind of like recap with everybody. This is like a super basic strategy. X and I aren't Grant Cardone. We're not saying we're going to buy a business for $6 million and sell it for 10 million like that. Yeah, sure. You could do that. Uh, Is that the most obtainable thing for everybody in the world? Probably not. So what we would do, we would analyze our financial position. We would make sure we have a really clear understanding of why we're currently here, why we're wanting to invest and what our future is going to want to look like. We would then move into how do we budget and make sure we are spending as little money as possible possible to still enjoy and live a very healthy and fulfilling life. Uh, We would then make sure that we were increasing our income, whether that be job hopping, whether that be side hustle, whether that be scaling your income in whatever way is applicable to you. I think you'd be amazed at the ways that you can make money online now and scale your income. Those would be the first three. And then the the fourth one is we would house hack. We would just do different strategies based on the market we were in. Uh, If you guys were looking to get started and really looking to get your questions answered, you can hit us up. We can talk to you guys, especially through Instagram. It's a great place to interact with us. We can give you advice. Um, But then I would also attend a couple local real estate investor meetups in your area. Uh, You can go on meetup.com, biggerpockets.com. You can start to get exposure to all these different people that are doing these different strategies and you can learn from them and you can then have an expert in your back pocket that can set you up with connections. Look, if you want to support your W2 Amigos, the best way possible is to share this episode with someone that you think might find value from it. And then please, I want you to stop right here and pause. Have you given us an honest rating and review on the podcast platform you're listening on? It really helps us with the algorithm, exposes our episodes to more people. It would definitely mean a lot to both X and I if you could do that. If you want to connect with us more organically and chat with us, one of us, maybe both of us at the same time, who knows on the who's on the Instagram account, hit us up at the W2Amigos on social media, Instagram. You can also reach out to us um, if you're looking to get a hold of us personally at the Five Family on Instagram for myself or X, what about you? Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Xavier Marin underscore. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Until next time. Peace. Peace.